Hey everyone, it's your host Julia back with another mini-sode of the Ethical Consumer Podcast. And before I start in with today's episode, I do want to remind you that we now have a newsletter. If you enjoy some of the products that I've been sharing, some of the things that I've been doing throughout the mini-sodes and regular episodes with guests, and you want to circle back and find out what those were, which lotion bar I loved, what I've been doing to try to combat the winter blues, and then hopefully get on into springtime, the newsletter is where you're going to find a lot of those things. If you're watching this on IGTV, on YouTube, you'll find this in the description, or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, you'll find the link to sign up in the show notes. I promise we will not spam you. If you're enjoying the episodes and you miss a couple, we will also include a little recap of the episodes that have come out in the past week, along with some of my recent favorite things. So let's get into the mini-sode now. Last Thursday's mini-sode was all about carbon neutral, what that means, what companies can do to start to move toward carbon neutrality, and what we can do as consumers to reduce our carbon footprint. This week, similar, Little different, talking about climate neutral and how that is different from carbon neutral. Climate neutral is not only a certification that companies can obtain, but also something that both companies and consumers can work toward. This is dealing with greenhouse gas emissions, not just carbon, but all of them. And the main one that I'm gonna talk about today is going to be methane, because I would consider this to be the next easiest concept to grasp. Much like carbon neutrality, climate neutrality occurs when the amount of emissions being created, so the newer things, are equal to the amount of emissions that are being retained or taken out of the atmosphere. Something that is climate neutral is not negatively impacting climate change. Today I'll be talking mostly about methane as I think it's the next easiest to understand. There are two types of methane emissions. One is anthropogenic, and the other is biogenic. Anthropogenic, think of anthropology, is what comes about from human activity. This is going to be the oil industry and the energy industry, the non-renewable energy industry. I don't know, I am not a methane expert, let me disclaimer that right there. As it is a natural gas, it occurs naturally, but we can do things to make less of it occur, thankfully. Biogenic methane refers to methane that comes from waste, from livestock, and also from wetlands. Animal agriculture, sadly, is the largest contributor to biogenic methane emissions. Now, this is not an episode that is going to be tearing down the livestock industry. I would just like to say that right now. But cycling back to our carbon episode, I would loosely equate carbon emissions to asking for no straw. That might seem like a silly analogy, but it'll make sense in a second, I promise. Carbon emissions, though the most plentiful and the most harmful, are also actually a little easier to mitigate because we can avoid using the resources that produce carbon. Methane emission and other natural gas emissions are a lot harder to avoid. So think about the argument for straws. It's one little straw. That straw still might come in a cup that you have to toss or recycle. There are still other consumer packaged goods that currently that's just an imperfect sector. New technologies are developing for more biodegradable and compostable packages, but mm, we'll get to that in a second. Oh man, straws are also really easy to do away with. It's not necessary. You're not gonna ask for a beverage without the container, but you can ask for a beverage without a straw. We can do without straws. 
We can't do without all carbon emissions, but we can do without some of them and they're a little easier to control since we are the ones actively producing them. A lot of methane emissions are a byproduct of our wasteful lives. <laughs> that sounds really depressing to say, but damage has been done and there is still methane emissions being released from landfills and excrement and all the fun things to talk about like that. This is a weird episode. Just like know that. Keep listening, but this one's this one's kind of a weird one, but I, I'm gonna enjoy this one, I think. <laughs> Methane is also one of the things that can be produced in the digestive tract. Again, sorry, livestock industry, you are present in this episode. This is just a naturally occurring thing. You might have heard that cow farts, just said that on a podcast, and cow burps are also extremely responsible for releasing methane gas. That's correct. Fun fact, I looked it up, burps are actually more responsible, I think account for 70% of so of animal methane emission, and only like 10% is from farts, so you'd rather have a cow fart than burp, I guess. Now, farmers can actually help decrease the amount of methane produced by giving their cows certain feed, certain enzymes so that less is produced. I don't know, what foods do you eat that make you gassy? Poor animals go through the same thing and they don't always have a say in what they're eating. That being said, humans and other animals also release methane. So are we fighting a losing battle? Are you extra responsible if you happen to have a sensitive digestive system and you happen to be a gassy person? Guys, that's not the point. <laughs> but do know that these occur naturally. It's gonna keep happening whether we like it or not, but there are always things we can do to help mitigate it. Animals are going to create waste. However, we also create waste and then throw our waste in landfills, which is a huge culprit and also an extremely changeable one. Just like not asking for a straw, figuring out how to eat, how to buy in a way that is not going to contribute to more waste. I am not a scientist, I am not an expert in this field, but I do understand that certain things in the landfill will not be there forever. This is not an episode on single-use plastics. However, how long does it take for certain things to break down? Even biodegradable things, even compostable things, especially compostable things when they're not composted properly. Composting actually helps decrease the amount of methane when done efficiently. But if they're sitting in a landfill, which is not going to be the optimal setting for composting, these items are going to release methane gas along with every other bit of food waste. It seems like we're fighting a losing battle. It seems like a lot of things are a losing battle, but I promise you it's not. Renewable energy is starting to take hold and that's something that we can support. The livestock industry is catching on and most are actually taking accountability for what their livestock may be producing. The California dairy industry actually decreased their amount of methane emissions. Pretty cool if you ask me. So it is possible, it's entirely possible. And we're not reinventing the wheel. This is just one more argument in support of buying less, wasting less, certainly. If something doesn't have a reusable or ideal end of life cycle, disposing of it properly is going to help a lot. This is also another argument for municipalities catching on and creating better ways of composting things. So while technologies are still being developed, use less, waste less, use less, 
waste less, buy things that leave less of a footprint when you can, and dispose of things as best you can. I was excited the other day I saw on Kickstarter, I don't think it's live on Kickstarter yet, but the company that makes my compostable phone case, Pila or Pella case, they also have sunglasses now and a couple other offshoots. They're making a small kitchen composter, not like a bucket, not the old school, but something that will actually dehydrate your food scraps so that the composting process goes a little faster and with releasing less emissions. I'm excited for that to come out. I don't know when that is going live, but I will definitely be sharing that with you guys. My city along with many cities is not really compost friendly. So at some point I will be implementing, hopefully, I'm, you know, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that, not hopefully. This year I would like to start composting at least food scraps. My fiance and I cook a lot at home and there's things like potato peels and carrot peels the outsides of onions that we throw in the garbage and I need to not do that. If you needed one more reminder that I'm still working on this myself, composting is not something that I have done yet, but it's on the list. It's moving higher to the top of the list. That was another episode full of a lot of information, maybe kind of confusing, but it's not just carbon. There are more greenhouse gases to be considered, some of those emissions are from a direct result of us being not as conscious as we could be. So as always, offer yourself some grace if this is new information. I'm trying to do the same for myself. We'll keep working at this together. Let me know if you've started composting, what method you started with, and share your favorite way to stay sustainable. I'd be curious to know yours. Thanks everyone. This has been the Ethical Consumer Podcast. Subscribe to our newsletter if you've not already. You can find us on YouTube, on iTunes, Spotify, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll see you next time.